Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, Golf Monthly's weekly look at the various different events around the world in golf. Today we pay tribute to legendary golfer and commentator Peter Alice, and we'll also discuss this week's Race to Dubai finale. Hi guys, this is Ben Wiesberger and welcome to the Golf Monthly Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, brought to you by our friends at Titleist, the number one ball in golf. For more, visit titleist.co.uk. Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse. My name's Tom Clark and this week I'm joined by, guess it, yes, it's Elliot Heath. How are you doing, Elliot? Hello, Tom. Yeah, uh, good to hear your voice again. How was your week off last week? Yeah, no, we had a we did we had a week off on the podcast, didn't we? You didn't do one, did you? No, no. Uh, first time listeners are hearing your dulcet tones in a couple you just of weeks. Had, you had the slippers on, piping slippers last week. Just have, had a little lie down all week, didn't you? Just had a week off. Uh, well, it's not the same without you. You know that. <laughs> well, yeah, I know. I'm I'm on you up. Obviously, I I did have a week off uh, work. I had a week homeschooling my son, so I was I think busier than usual and. Um, <laughs> Now being back at work and not having to homeschool my son, I uh, I feel like I'm now on holiday. It was a bit stressful last week, so but all good, um, and I'm very glad that he's back at school. But um, you know, it's a bit tricky. And uh, golf's back. Golf's back in England, Elliot. Um, we can we can get back out there and play. Not that I have. Have you? Oh yeah, it's so great. I, I went to the range on Wednesday on, on the day it opened and played golf yesterday. So really nice. Did the most exercise I've done since lockdown really got out in the fresh air good for your mental health uh, I played quite well as well I almost got a hole in one as you saw with the picture I sent you hit it to a couple of inches on the par three um yeah it was just good fun great to be back good stuff yeah I mean Neil Tappin digital editor hates a almost hole in one story he thinks they're ridiculous um because if you miss you miss don't you so uh, you got a two didn't you on a, on a par three, that's what you're saying. That's yeah, your story. Yeah, didn't even need my putter. <laughs> exactly, it's going to be so. Um, well, congratulations. And um, golf. how's the golf course looking after a month with no one playing? Honestly, it looked spectacular. This was uh, West Byfleet in Surrey. The greens were very, very quick. I'd say they were um, like summer speed almost. So, yeah, um, obviously made such great difference with no golfers on it for a month. So, yeah, I really can't complain. It was excellent. And I think that's a, it's a, it's a fair point, isn't it? I think there's going to be lots of golf courses which are going to be looking really good this this time of year. They've had um, a, a bit of time to rest. Um, maybe some of, this is the first time some of these golf courses have rest, rested in ages, in years maybe, you know, with, with some prolonged period with no golf being played on them. And um, I think there's going to be loads which are looking in really good condition. And maybe that's one of the... The good thing which, which have happened um, at, uh, after lockdown and everything that's that's happened this year. Another question for you, Elliot. Uh, did you use your new handicap in, index? Yes. Uh, yeah, I shot my handicap actually, which is uh, two point four, which converts to a three. So, um, yeah, I must say I, I got like a two shot cut or something from the the new world handicap system. I walked onto the first two feeling eight foot tall feeling like you know i'm off three now that's making me feel really confident and uh yeah it transpired to maybe help me out a little bit 
I mean, that's very tall for you because you're not even six foot, are you, Elliot? So um, um, that's yeah, good. You say feeling nice and confident about your game for once. Yeah, I, I've never really been like a big range rat, but teaching my girlfriend this summer, going to the driving range every couple of weeks, it actually genuinely has helped. The, the new custom fitted clubs probably help as well. Loving the Honmas. Um, so yeah, feeling pretty good. Great, great stuff. I do think you should start your own YouTube channel with just you and your your missus playing golf. Um, <laughs> Elliot's golf tips. Um, yeah, possibly. So obviously there has been some great news in the last week with golf being back in England, but we had very sad news coming through to us yesterday um, with news that legendary player and legendary commentator Peter Alice unfortunately died at the age of 89. Um, now, I don't think there's many golf fans who don't know who Peter Alice is or have not heard his dulcet tones over BBC commentary of golf. Uh, and it's very, very sad sad day um elliot can you remember what's what's a stand-up moment that you can remember from watching golf which has actually been accompanied by peter alice is there anything that really stands out for you and uh, not particularly but I, I remember obviously watching golf on the bbc growing up and i used to love it when they would pan to random little kids in the crowd or random people and, and peter would always comment he would always have a funny little witty remark and uh, he's just an absolute genius with words, just a true legend. I think something that I wasn't uh, around for, well, I was around, but I, I didn't see it live, was him commentating on John van der Velde uh, at the 1999 Open, and that was just absolutely hilarious. I, I recommend anybody to, to search that on YouTube and watch that again. And, um, yeah, golf's just lost an absolute legend. I think that is one that um, really does stand out. I, mean, I can't believe that's 20-odd years ago now. That's amazing, isn't it? But I think that's when... Golf was really big at that point. It's obviously still a beat on the BBC. Um, the Open was, I think that was really seen by a lot of people, that incident with Van der Velde. So um, I think that is a standard thing. And you're right, it's, it's very hard to actually talk about him because I can't come up with the words. I'm not a, a good enough wordsmith to come up with the words to describe what a legend he was. And he, he's not just a golfing commentator. He's really a, a broadcasting legend. Um, and one of those real um, incredible voices and incredible broadcasters who uh, really a lot of people grew up with and discovered sports for the first time perhaps with this and um, it's really another uh, another name at the end of an era of, of the great broadcasters which unfortunately are, are falling away and you've got to remember he's also a fantastic golfer in his own right uh, eight-time Ryder Cupper 31 professional victories you know something that people probably don't really know that much about him yeah, he, he grew up at Ferndown Golf Club near Bournemouth. His dad, Percy, I think was the head pro, got the uh, Alice course there. And yeah, I loved listening to him back in the day as well, just reading letters that, that people would send in from their golf clubs. He would always say how much he loved Hindhead, how much he loved Liphook. And uh, as a Heathland fan myself, I, I would always want to go and play those courses, basically because of Peter Alice. I'd never really heard of Liphook as a sort of 13-year-old boy until Peter Alice mentioned it, and my dad was a big fan of his as well. Um, so, yeah, we, we had a very similar appetite for, for great Heathland golf, I would say. Yeah, and he's a real real legend of the sport. You know, he was very influential, knew everybody. You know, he, he knew Jack Nicholas. He, you know, he, he used to play with Arnold Palmer. Let's face it, he used to compete against Arnold Palmer. Uh, and he's very influential 
uh, you know, not, not just in the UK, but around the world. Um, and I think he's going to be really, really missed now, isn't he? He's going to leave quite a, a large hole. And, and it was great to, to, to hear him still uh, commentating just a couple of weeks ago. He was doing the highlights for the BBC for the Masters, wasn't he? Yeah, that just shows what a, an absolute legend he is and how great at his craft he was. The fact that the BBC was still using him when he was 89 years old. Um, just, yeah, never really wanted to retire, did he? Obviously loved golf so much, loved commentating. So, yeah, you, you obviously see commentators retire in their 70s or something, but not with Peter Alice, who clearly just had such a great love for the game. Yeah, and, and there's there's hundreds of quotes being been flooding in from so many different people about uh, what they meant to him and um, why he was so loved. And we've got a bit of audio now from um, Golf Monthly's Bill Elliott, who uh, was very close friends with Peter. And we spoke to Bill last year at the Open Championship about his friendship with Peter. So here's Bill talking about his friendship with Peter Alice. Another very close golfing relationship you have perhaps the closest is Peter Alice yes you yes. tell us quickly a little bit about that relationship I know you are writing a book with Alice at the moment yes we've almost we've almost finished it we got uh, I sent off 80, 84,000 words to the publisher last week and uh, we're and we're yes I know and uh, 2,000 of them are worth reading honestly <laughs> and uh, no hopefully it's not bad and the the first chapter is 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 about Jean Van der Velde and what that opening Peter's commentary and what that was like, and then I thought we want to finish the book with uh, a bookend it by doing the final chapter on this open at Royal Portrush. Peter played in the 1951 Open here. He was about 19 years old. Was that his first Open? No, no, I think it was his second or third, yeah. It would be great if it was first, wouldn't it? But, I mean, from the book's point of view, but no, it was his second or third. He, he didn't make the cut. In those days, uh, they played 36 holes on the Saturday, so he played Thursday, Friday. He qualified. He had to qualify before it, and then he played the first two rounds, Thursday, Friday, but didn't make the Saturday. So it's neat for him to be back here uh, all these years later. Um, he's now 88 years old and still as sharp as the tack. I've known him for 40... I first interviewed him in 1978, 79. So 40 Was years. he your closest uh, professional golfing friend? No. No? No. But he's turned into be a very close friend. He's, he's tur- yes, 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 he has. Uh, uh, funny enough, we uh, as chance as fate has taken me, I've ended up... When I first interviewed him, uh, he lived in Yorkshire, uh, and he now lives um, near a place called Hindhead in Surrey, and, and I live uh, in a village just about four miles away. Mm. So we're almost neighbours. Um, the only difference being you could fit most of my house into his kitchen. <laughs> so He's done well, hasn't he? Yeah, he, he has. And, and he, he, what I like, about, lots of things I like about Peter, but what I like about Peter is that he has done very, he, people who don't know, a lot of people don't, a lot of people think he's just ever done television. But he was an outstanding golfer. I mean, he, mm. he played in eight Ryder Cups, something like that, you know. You know, finished quite high in Open Championships, won lots of time. You know, he if he was today, uh, he would be a, a at least a, like a Tommy Fleetwood to term of, you know, yeah. where you are. But what I, what I like about him is that he retains a sense of genuine wonder at the life he's had. All he ever did was set out to try to play golf to make a living, just to make a living. 
it, it had no idea about doing television commentary. All that came about by accident. I mean, it was somebody made a decision, but it wasn't him trying to do it. He was overheard talking on a plane ride by a television producer, who wow. said afterwards said it, it, I was t I couldn't help but I was sitting behind you, and the stories you were telling were very interesting. Have you ever thought of coming and doing? He was still a player at the time. And that's how he started doing it. So, he's a nice man. He's a man of his age. He's eighty-eight. So as I say to him, you haven't quite made it into the second half of the 20th century, Peter, never mind the 21st. But um, again, he has, a, he has a good sense of humour and uh, he gives his good back. As we could. He's, he's a kind and a generous and a smart man. And he has a deep appreciation of the luck that he's had in life and quite rightly has an appreciation of his talent. I, I, it, I sat in the BBC commentary box for a couple of hours this morning, where they're, they're now doing for their highlight show, just to get some colour stuff for the stuff that I'm writing in the book. And I, um, again, Ken Brown, who I've known for a long time, Ken was in there, and I, I spoke with Ken and did a little interview with Ken that I'm going to put in the book as well. And Ken said a lot of great things and interesting things about Peter, but I'll, I'll just tell you one. He ended up with, he said, he said he is, the, as far as he and many of us are concerned, he said it's like working with the Jack Nicholas of television commentary. He said, and if you were ever paired with Jack Nicholas in terms of being a, a little team, you would expect to do well, wouldn't you? So <laughs> yeah. it's easy to do well with Peter as your co-commentator. Yeah, I grew up listening to him on the BBC, I'm sure many of, yeah, uh, you guys listening to this will have done uh, yeah. a true legend, and I don't know how he still does it at the age of eighty-eight. No, so. I know, it, 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 and his memory, his memory for things is uh, uh, for names and play. And, you know, I mean, as I say, I keep calling uh, Port Roche, uh, Portsmouth. He, you know, he he doesn't he doesn't have anything. You know, any any doesn't seem to have any problem. Money, he might be making them all up. I just assume that he's remembering them correctly. And that he did actually dance with Esther Williams. You, of course, will never have heard of Esther Williams, will you? Uh, no. She was a major film star, Hollywood film star at the time. Look her up. And an Olympic swimmer. <laughs> but it, Peter remembers these things. Uh, and, uh, but at the same time, you know, he, he, he subscribes to Private Eye and, and uh, um, reads the, just to counter that, he reads the Daily Mail every day, I think. So <laughs> he's, he's, a balanced, he's a balanced human being, describes himself as a Tory wet. <laughs> so Elliot you actually uh, did that interview with Bill and um, he really obviously spoke really fondly of Peter Ellis then didn't he yeah he's uh, he was one of Bill's best friends you have to say they lived four miles away from each other knew each other for what over 40 years yeah uh, I would imagine Bill is grieving at the moment we haven't spoken to him but I think he's going to write something for the magazine but obviously knew him very well and um yeah, a lovely story there about how Peter was discovered by a, a producer uh, chatting on an, on an aeroplane. So it's not like he seeked out the job. He was actually kind of scouted, you'd have to say. And what a great decision that was from whichever producer he was talking about there. Yeah, and, and there's, there's loads of stories been coming out, haven't they? You know, in that first time he commentated in the BBC 1961, he was actually still playing in the tournament. And actually, I think he did pretty well as well in it. So, um, yeah, there is... There's loads, loads of stories which you know, people are now finding out about him, and um, 
enjoying and rediscovering all the anecdotes and the quotes, which there are just so many <laughs> that he is, is famous for. So I do check out the Golf Monthly website, golf-monthly.co.uk. We've got loads of tributes to, to Peter there. And we've also got, got things like our favourite quotes from him, stuff like that. So do check it out. But do let us know as well, what's your favourite Peter Alice moment? Um, email golfmonthly at futurenet.com. And we'd love to know. Or, of course, you can um, drop us a line on social media as well, at Golf Monthly on Twitter and Instagram, and Golf Monthly Magazine on Facebook. Moving on, we're going to now talk about Rory McIlroy for once. We don't usually talk about Rory at all, do we? But uh, he's had another bit of a uh, head-off with Tom Weisskopf, who had some pretty fiery comments about Rory's game. Elliot, what did you think of them? Uh, well, Tom Weisskopf, obviously uh, um, a legendary player himself, so a major champion as well, so he's got his own opinion, and, and rightly so. And he said kind of what I think a lot of people are saying, actually, which is um, about golf is just something that Rory does, uh, that he doesn't think he's going to win many more majors, that um, he doesn't have that Tiger attitude, and he obviously is a multi-multi-millionaire. He also called him, or he said, that guy's not a good putter, which... Um, you could say it's quite harsh, but again, it's what you see on social media. So, um, yeah, it obviously got Rory's back up. Rory uh, responded saying that he wants to win. He wants to be the best. He uh, he tries his heart out on every single shot in every single tournament he plays. And this is after Rory's second winless year since turning pro, I think in 2007, 2008. So, yeah, it's got a big response. I don't know what you think about this, Tom, but I think Weisskopf is probably fair in what he's saying there look i, th- I know rory's had it have having a few issues but i think rory's actually a bit of an easy target for people to attack to be honest with you and also he he actually set the bar high for himself and he's not hitting those those targets that he you know that he set not that long ago when he was winning those majors so some of this is actually self-inflicted on rory, on rory and he i just think i think people should just le- let him let him go to be honest with you just let him play golf because he's still playing very well you know he's had seven top tens this year from 17 events before lockdown he was an absolute fire and he was back to world number one people seem to have suddenly forgotten about that we had a huge gap in the middle of the year where we weren't playing golf and that affected some people more than others you know i'm just looking at some of his results around the end of last year and the start of this year, they were absolutely ridiculous. He went on a run of, of third, first, fourth, third, fifth, fifth, fifth. You know, really fantastic results. And that was all trending towards the Masters in April. And then, of course, that all got stopped. And then we had, what, three months of no golf. People would then say, Rory came back and then didn't play very well. It's not like he's missed a cut. You know, he hasn't missed a cut this year. And he's had, yeah, as I said, seven top tens. And actually, if you look at the last five events he's played and he's had three top tens in that including a fifth of the masters now the fifth of the masters isn't what he's after and that's not what people want people want him to win that so i, I just think people are a bit getting a bit carried away with rory because of the, just how high the bar's been set by him uh, just give him a break let him play golf um i don't i, I think people are just looking for headlines to be honest with you, aren't they yeah well if you get asked about him you're, you're going to answer aren't you so i'm sure it's not nice cop just attacking him but do you think that we expect too much from him then? No, I think no. We, well, Rory, 
we expect as much as Rory expects from him, which Rory wants to win every every week he tees it up, and he wants to win more majors, and it's just not quite happening. But I don't think it's because he doesn't care. I think it's because he cares almost too much about it. We've seen before uh, at Augusta now on several occasions, he's either gone into the first round and not played very well because of the amount of pressure that's been leading into the tournament, or he has got himself into a position to win the tournament, such as in 2018 when he was in the final group, and the pressure, again, was just too much for him, and he couldn't quite do it on that day. That's not him playing badly. That's just pressure, and that's him trying his hardest. And sometimes it doesn't quite happen if you try too hard. So I, I think, you know, I think leave the guy alone. You know, he's playing very, very well. He's a top five player. He was a world number one less than a year ago. I just don't think there's any reason to be negative on him. It's been a tough year for all of us. And it has affected everything that we've all had to do. And that includes a lot of the golfers. So I think just leave him alone, I'd say. You can tell I'm quite a big Roy fan. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a massive Roy fan as well. And I, yeah, I expect what he expects, which is to win every single week. So it's been a fascinating one to follow as a, a golf fan and a writer for the last kind of five years. And uh, it'll be very interesting to see where it goes. Will he win more majors or will he continue this, this long drought that he's on? Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like talking about his putting. Let's let's face it. Could he putt better? Yes. Is he the best putter on tour? No, he's not. We know that. He knows that. But he's not that bad a putter. He hasn't missed a cut this year. He was world number one this year. He's won loads and loads of money. I mean, he's not an awful putter. He's not an awful putter by any tip, stretch of the imagination. And when he gets it going, he's very, very good. So um, I think that next year is going to be a good year for him. He's obviously having a rest now for the rest of the year. He's got, you know, he's going to have almost eight to ten weeks to get his game going again, have a nice rest at home with the family. He's got, obviously just become a new dad as well. So loads of things have happened this year for him. So I think it's harsh if people criticise him, to be honest with you. And as mentioned, Rory is taking a, a few months off, so he won't be in attendance in Dubai this week for the DP World Tour Championship as the European Tour season finally comes to an end about a month later than it usually does for the usual showpiece um, at Jumeirah Golf Estates. And there's some big names playing this week, but there were also some big names missing. So no Rory, no Ram, no Rose. Let's get them out of the way straight away. They're not playing. They're not really in the hunt to win. And they've decided not to travel over to Dubai, which I'll be honest with you. Again, I think is fair enough. Um, I'm sure there's other people who wish that were there. But there are some big names who are playing, including Patrick Reed, who looks to win the race to Dubai uh, for the first time. Um, the top seven um, in the rankings are all playing this week. And they are Reed, Tommy Fleetwood, Colin Morikawa, He's also travelled over, so fair play to him. Lee Westwood, Christian Bezadenhut, Victor Perez and Aaron Rye. Till Happen, Victor Hovland and Sunjay Irma also in the field. And there could be some really big headlines from this week. Lee Westwood, for example, could win the Order of Merit title for the third time. And this would be 20 years after his first that would be amazing. That would that's obviously something to chat about. Patrick Reed, of course, isn't would be another big headline if he if he was to win. And there's also some other names in there which um, could cause some talking points. Who do you think's got the best opportunity this week? Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be very tight. Patrick Reed is the bookie's favourite, rightly so. He's got a, a five hundred point lead, I think, and there's over two thousand points up for grabs if you win. Yeah, I would have to go with Reed. He seems very determined. He's said for years now that he wants to win the race to Dubai. 
he wants to be this world player, which he is. So yeah, I'd love to see Reed do it. He'd be the first American to win it in history. Yeah, go on, Patrick Reed. I'm going to put my flag in his court. That's, That's good, not it, not an expression. It, well, it's, it's kind of kind of an expression. Um, he's also playing very well. That's I think the thing that we need to mention. So um, if you look for the last ten weeks or so, he's played five times: seventh in the Tour Championship, thirteenth at the US Open, third at the at the BMW Championship at Wentworth. 14th at the Zozo Championship and 10th at the Masters. So he's he's in very good form, isn't he? And he would he's obviously one of those those characters. He is a bit of a Marmite character, isn't he? You either love him or you don't. And um I, you know, I quite like Patrick Reed because he does try and support other tours. He does like to travel around. He doesn't just stay in America and play there. And obviously he's had a lot of success at Ryder Cup, also of course winning at Augusta as well. Um, but he isn't the most popular player, is he? No, I don't think he tries to be either. But, you know, at least he's he's trying to win these amazing titles. The Race to Dubai, the European Tour Order of Merit, is a wonderful title. And something that the likes of McElroy, defending champion John Rahm, can't even be bothered to try and win. So you've got to say, fair play to Reid. He wants to win. He wants to pick up titles all around the world. And, um, yeah, you've got to love his determination. He's a brilliant putter. He's very entertaining in the Ryder Cup. So, yeah, uh, it would be good to see him uh, add another title to his very full trophy cabinet. So you've just made a slight comment there saying um, the other guys, some of the guys can't be bothered to win it. So I take it you're, you're not quite so happy as some of the big names are, are missing this week. Well, it's a shame. I mean, they're going to use COVID as an excuse, which I guess is a fair enough excuse, but... All the bubbles, all the testing, the protocols, I think are very safe. They've been proven to be. Dubai is quite a massive hub. They all fly private, so I don't think there's anything stopping them going. Yeah, it is a bit disappointing, but I think it just shows you where the European tour is at the moment, which is very far down on their priorities, which is a big shame, especially when Rahm's defended champion. Yeah, I think I think Rahm uh, missing as defending champion is is a big shame. I, I I don't particularly like it when people miss tournaments where they've obviously had a lot of success the previous year. I think they should support them. To be honest with you, so I could I would probably agree with you with the Rahm factor there. But it is it's tricky this year, and we've got to remember there's our reasons why people are not travelling around so much, um, and we don't know each individual case. So um, yeah, I think we give them the benefit of the doubt. On the most part, on this, but we, you know, we want to see the best players as much as possible um, playing in these events um, because they could be great, they could be dramatic, and there's an awful lot of money to be won as well. Um, who would be your, if so, okay, if you think that Patrick Reed is probably the favourite to win, he is the favourite to win. Who would be the, what would be the best story? Is it that Westwood story? You know, twenty years after his first order of merit, that he could win it again. Yeah, I think that'd be a wonderful story. It'd be amazing if, if Westwood won the Order of Merit for the third time, 20 years after his first. Yeah, I would love to see Westwood win, personally. Yeah, I think, and also I think he's got a very good chance this week. He's played usually very well in Dubai. He's had a lot of success on that course. He's won on that course before, so um, I think he's got a really good opportunity. He seems just to be in a really good place as well. He seems to be very relaxed on the course. He's hitting it very well. Um, I think he could have a very, very strong week this week. So he would probably be my tip, if there was one, to do well this week as well. So is there anybody else that you think could do well this week who we haven't already mentioned? 
Yeah, outside of the race to Dubai, I would quite fancy Sung Jae-in for the tournament just because he's a wonderful player. He was second at the Masters. Uh, just, yeah, a, a great player. And I, I think he's one of the very best in the field this week, turning up in some decent form. Yeah, absolutely. And there's probably someone else that you haven't mentioned who I thought I was going to set you up there with, but you haven't mentioned him at all yet. Your man, Victor Hovland, fresh <laughs> off the back of the victory on the PGA Tour on Sunday. Yeah, amazing. Into the world's top 15 for the first time. I'm quite surprised to see him here, to be fair, after Mexico last week. Um, but yeah, it'd be good to see him go well. Uh, obviously, Christian Persuadenhout's in the field as well, fresh off of two wins. So uh, there's a lot of guys coming in off the back of winning trophies. So it's going to be hard for them to, to continue winning trophies week after week, but they're definitely in good form. So yeah, so many great storylines this week. I do love this event. I remember being in Kuala Lumpur watching this in our hotel room, just seeing it on the telly when I was on holiday. And um, yeah, that was a, a nice couple well, you, of hours. You really holiday. know how to live it up, don't you, when you go away to you go away to a lovely foreign country and then you go see in the hotel room and watch the golf. Oh, no, this was in the evening because of the time difference, and <laughs> I was just amazed to see it. So, yeah, I spent a good few hours watching that. Okay, I'll, I'll let you off. I think, no, I think Hovland, obviously, he's been fantastic. I, I can't believe he's in the top 15 already. That is, he, that's rather snuck up on me, I'll be honest with you. I didn't think he was quite as high up in the rankings of that. So, uh, well, well done to him. And someone else who, um, yeah, it's, it's that time of year where people start getting a little bit twitchy if they're around the world's top 50. Because obviously, if you finish the year in the top 50, that usually opens more doors than if you're 51st. And I look, there's one name who's very close to the edge of being in the top 50, and that is Matt Wallace. So he's 49th in the world at the moment. So he needs, he, he really do with a good week this week and cement his position in the world's top 50 going into 2021. So I think Matt Wallace might pull something out of the hat this week. He's about 25 to 1. Um, what do you think of Matt Wallace's chances? Yeah, he played very well last week on the fire course. So they're moving over to the earth course this week, the one that we know very well. And yeah, um, he's had a bit of a quiet time, hasn't he, really, since bursting onto the scene before the 2018 Ryder Cup. Um, yeah, and on the world's top 50, I think Ricky Fowler has actually fallen out of the world's top 50 for the first time in six years or something. So uh, that's another bigger mission there. Yeah, that is. I've just looked at that. I, that is, you wouldn't believe that. I'm, I know you're not the biggest Ricky Fowler fan, and I am quite a big Ricky Fowler fan. But he has obviously had a, a tough year himself. Um, again, swing changes in there. That, that you know, things with COVID didn't help as well. Um, but it's yeah, his game has rather fallen away. But I, I'm backing, I'm backing Ricky to come back because unlike Rory, he has got, he's got one of the best putting strokes in the game. Um, it's his tee to green game that he's, um, he's he's been struggling with, and I think if he's uh, when he finds that he's going to be back in that world top fifty before we know it. So uh, hopefully he has a good rest as well. Yeah, uh, a couple of years ago, him and Spieth would have been in the world's top five probably, and and now Fowler's fifty second and Spieth is seventy eighth. So what a fall from grace that is, and and hopefully both of those guys can get back up there next year because they're two massive names and two great talents. Yeah, and I think that's that's it. I mean, look at Westwood. We talked about Westwood having a chance to win the Old American. He has had his ups and downs in his career, hasn't he? We've known that for a while. I mean, he's another one quite close to the... So he's 47th in the world as well at the moment. So, you know, he was as low as, I think... Let me... I'm actually looking this up. So at the 
at in 2000 when he won the order of merit he was fifth in the world two years later he was 182nd you know he fell right out of it and then he went and recovered and five years or whatever over after that he was world number one so it does go up and down sometimes and form that is a strange thing um especially when people are trying to get their their swing in the right place so i'm hoping westwood has a good week this week um Actually, I hope he had a very, very good week. He's he's also pretty decent odds. He's about forty to one to to win this week. So I reckon he's uh, definitely someone to to back if you're if you want to spend a couple of quid this week. Yeah, well, without backing half the field as well, you've got to say Tommy Fleetwood um, has finished top two or three the last couple of years as well. Won the race to the bar in twenty seventeen. So I think it'd be harsh not to mention him. Good luck this week, Tommy. Absolutely, go team. <laughs> We've also got the US Women's Open this week uh, being played over two courses at Champions Golf Club in Houston, Texas. Jungan Lee Six is the defending champion, and it's usually a very good offence, isn't it? Yeah, I can't wait for that. The final major of the year. going to be weird watching it in December, but yeah, I'm definitely going to be catching a lot of that in Texas as well, which might be a little bit cold. Did you see last week's um, tournament where it literally looked like they were playing on the North Pole or something. <laughs> yeah, there's, it's funny weather this time of year, all over the place, isn't it? So, um, yeah, I hope they've got their um, their base layers. Yeah, uh, some, of, some of the players were putting coats on during shots. It was that cold. It was unbelievable. Yeah. I didn't know Texas got that cold. Yeah, it's usually a very good event. It's obviously a tough event. It's a proper US Open, usually. Uh, they make it, they set the course up, so it plays really tough. So, uh uh, I'm really looking forward to it, and I'm hoping some of the some of the Brits do well because there's some of them have been playing very well of late, haven't they? Yeah, Georgia Hall won on the LPGA Tour recently. So did Mel Reed. Charlie Hall was leading last week as well in the early stages. So, yeah, I think there's a, a good chance of, of a win this week for a English girl. Absolutely, go Team England! Uh, and as we mentioned before, it was a very big weekend for a couple of people. Victor Hovland won his second PGA Tour title at the Mayakoba Golf Classic. Christian Zadenhoop won for the second week in a row at the South African Open. And then Antoine Rosner won his maiden European Tour title at the Golf in Dubai Championship. So three fantastic wins for those guys, wasn't it? Yeah, very busy week with two European Tour events. Uh, we've got all of the latest on those on the website if you want to read a little bit more. But yeah, Christian Zadenhoop out on absolute fire at the moment one by four strokes last week at the dunhill and then one by five at the south african open which has one of the best trophies in golf i think it was first played in 1903 just a who's who of golf on that trophy so yeah obviously a, a massive week for him winning this national open yeah and absolutely and it's great that we've um i think we've you know we've mentioned covid and all the issues that golf have had this year especially the pro tournaments but um for those three guys that we just mentioned, you know, massive suddenly, uh, huge life-changing weeks again, um, you know, that gets them into either the world's top 50 or the world's top 15, or it's your first tour title. It's it's game-changing things and career-changing things, um, which they're, you know, which they're being able to sort out now. And um, it's great, Bezayden, who especially, you know, he's someone with such an amazing story. He's had to come through a lot of things to become a professional golfer. And for him to suddenly having that proper success that we all thought he was going to have, um, he could be a real real player, couldn't he? Yeah, great composure, a good all-round game. Doesn't hit the ball miles, but 
just another brilliant South African who's showing that he can play on the world stage, can play under pressure. And he's still only 26, so a lot of good years to come, I think, for him. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So we will um, be back next week when we will be uh, recapping what happened in the Race to Buy finale. And it will also be our final podcast of the year, I think, won't it? So um, please do get involved. We'll probably be taking a look back on everything that's been going on in the mad year, which has been 2020. So do tune in. Elliot, uh, have a good week. Yeah, thanks a lot, Tom. You too. Good stuff. And until next week, we will speak to you then. Bye.